quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Trust, but verify and stick to your guns and just don't let people, especially if you have gotten the education and you have done some of the work up front. Don't let other people either dictate your dreams or tell you what can or can't be done, even if they're more experienced than you. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Nicole Pendergrass. Nicole is joining us from the Bronx. She is the founder of Noir Vest Holdings, which focuses on value-add multifamily. Their mission is to increase the equity and net worth in communities of color by providing access to investment opportunities. Nicole owns 14 units across three properties and is also an LP investor. Nicole, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the show. I'm excited. Fantastic. We're happy to have you as well. Nicole, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Okay. So my background is I started with a three-family house hack. I actually took my first real estate investing course was through Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't even know if I read the book first or if I went to their three-day seminar first. But in any case, I was introduced to that community. And of course, that's the impetus for a lot of people getting started into real estate. So once I discovered that real estate was possible for normal people, I said, this is for me. This is what I've been looking for. This is my way to create my own future and my destiny and take control of my life. So I just jumped in and I was learning a bunch of different strategies. I always liked the idea of uh, multifamily properties. And when I got the opportunity to buy my three family in the Bronx and house hack, I just jumped on there. I actually had to do some wholesaling type of techniques to find that property. I used a direct mail campaign, sending out cards to owners of properties in the area because I couldn't find anything that I was looking for in, in price range or, or whatever. But that can go into a lot of detail. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. In any case, that one property completely changed my life. It changed my financial future. It changed my opportunities. I learned how to be a landlord. I learned how to property manage. I learned how to deal with contractors in the whole nine yards. I learned how to have to control my emotions when payments weren't coming in and you have to still be professional. So it was a great learning experience through all the trials and tribulations. A few years later, I was able to refinance, pull out some equity. And that was the start of me going into the commercial side and growing my portfolio. So I was able to join a multifamily community and get more education, get a coach and mentor, which I knew was necessary if I really wanted to grow. And from that and networking and just digging into a market that was nearby me, I happened to come across someone and I met someone who was already established in the market that I wanted to go into. We ended up partnering on a property. That was a six unit property. And then from there, it was a heavy value add. So we put in a lot of time and effort turning that property over. And it happened to be during COVID. So rent ended up skyrocketing more than we had even underwritten from the beginning. And now we've basically doubled the income of that property. We just did a cash out refi and purchased another property together in the same market, but a couple of towns over. So I basically used that first house hack 
to scale my portfolio and just refinancing, pulling out equity, improving the property and operations and scale that into three properties and also use that first property. That was how I got into my first LP position and it's a syndicator in Houston, Texas area. So it's just the power of real estate. And that's why I love talking about it. I post about it all the time because I want people to know that even if you're starting from very little or not a lot of resources, you can start small and really work your way up and grow your portfolio, starting with one property. Nicole, I love that story. Let's dive into some numbers. The three family in the Bronx that you house hacked, what was the purchase price on that? 505. And let me say, when I first started looking for a property, I actually was going to use a grant for first-time homeowners and I got pre-approved for 250 and I couldn't do multifamilies with that. And there was time limitations on that grant. So I ended up looking for condos because with that grant, I didn't think I would be able to qualify on my own to purchase a property. That ended up falling out. Long story short, two condo failed contracts fell out and I ended up just like, you know what? Now I don't have this grant. Let me just do what I was going to do and look for a multifamily property anyway. So that's when I decided to do the direct mail campaign. So I would have never even found this property because I wasn't looking at anything $500,000. Like, are you kidding? Like I'm approved for 250. I can't afford 500,000. And even went into this first property telling the owner, I said, okay, I looked up, I knew how to use Acris, which is a system in New York City to look up property records and owners. So I knew the owner had just bought it. I knew he paid cash. So I knew he was a flipper or a rehabber. And I say, okay, so this guy's an investor. He doesn't live there. And I'm going to negotiate with him for seller financing. So that's the only reason I didn't even know what purchase price he wanted at first. I just said, I'm going to negotiate seller financing. That didn't work. He said his mortgage broker was the best in town. He would get me approved. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I'm thinking in my head, all right, I'll go through the steps. And as soon as that doesn't go through, I'm going to come back to you for my owner financing. And this is what I'm thinking in my head. And then it went through. So because <laughs> you keep pushing through, you never know. All right. That's a win. So 505, was it leased out or did it need rehab? No, he rehabbed it. I put in air quotes. It was a new wish build. It was built in 2007. So I don't think there was much that he needs to do. It was basically vacant until he bought it. I think the original person who was going to purchase the property never moved into it because I was like right at the crash. So it sat vacant for a while. He bought it. He did probably very minimal to it, but it still was moving ready. So I didn't have to do anything. It was vacant when I saw it. He placed tenants to help me out when I was closed that I would already have rental income coming in. And what did your loan look like on that property for 505? FHA. And I used three and a half percent down. I came, it was 17,500 was a down payment. And then plus closing costs and some other things. I probably came out 21, 22,000 total to purchase that. Nicole, what are the rents on that property? Or what were they back then? What are they now? The two units were 1750. It was a three bedroom, three bedroom and two bedroom. I took the two bedroom because I wanted more rent from the both of the three bedrooms apartment and I was alone. I had a boyfriend at the time. So they were both renting for $1,750. And the three bedroom was also $1,750? Yeah, they're both three bedrooms and I was oh, in the okay. only two bedrooms. Yeah, $1,750. And now they're $2,100, $2,000. And I moved out. So my two bedroom I'm renting for $1,950. I have actually now, I'm in the process of selling that property actually. So it is vacant now again, but those were the last rents a couple months ago when my tenants were still there. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? 
Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Why is a property vacant? Is it because you're expecting an owner user for the entire building? No, the buyer, I have an accepted offer and it was not vacant when he first saw the property, but he wanted it vacant because that's just how they purchase properties. I really wanted the tenants to stay because the tenants that I have now are really good tenants and they paid on time all the time. These were like the best tenants. Of course, I had problems with my first set of tenants because I did not screen them. But after one set, I did have to evict for non-payment for about a year. But after that, like now I had great tenants and I wanted them to stay. But unfortunately, this buyer, the best offer that I got, they wanted it vacant. So you know what I did because I felt bad about that? And because they were such great tenants, I paid in New York City, renters normally pay a broker's fee to find good apartments. So I paid all of their broker's fees for them moving out. So they wouldn't have that extra expense. That's great. What's the sale price? Oh man, 905 cash offer. That's a big win. And you said that property helped you become an LP investor. Yes. And actually when I refinanced, I purchased in 2015, I refinanced in 2019. So I was able to cash out. So a portion of that equity I use as an LP position in a 96-unit property in Houston, Texas. It might be not exactly in the city, but in that MSA area. Since that was 2019, they actually have an accepted offer. And so we should be getting a closing at the end. It was supposed to be at the end of this month. I'm sure I'll get an email soon about that. But that was great because I didn't have to do anything. (laughs) What what made you want to be an LP investor when... You took down your own deal. You know how to make money. You know how to grow money. Why invest in someone else's deal when you could have been investing in yours? You know what? I actually, to be 100% honest, at that point, the person I invested with had a program where you could come in as an LP investor, but then also have have a learning curve. So you kind of split the LP and GP position. So it was more for the learning when I was debating which kind of community and mentorship group that I wanted to go with. I was debating on with them versus another group. And with them, I was going to invest in the deal, but then I also was going to learn as we were 
repositioning that property, it didn't end up that I got to be in that position that I thought I was going to be in, but my money was already invested. And you know what? I said, you know what? It's fine. It's invested. This is a great learning experience for me to be on the LP side. And actually I'm not upset at all because I'm getting great returns and I didn't have to actually do anything that gave me freedom to actually still join my other group and still take down other properties as a, a joint venture. Nicole, do you know what the returns are and over what period of time on that LP deal? It was an 8% preferred return. And since that was 2019, we didn't get our first, we were getting quarterly distributions. We didn't get our first one because that was right when COVID hit. We got a second one and then they actually refinanced and we got 50% of our capital back on the refinance. And then we've been getting our quarterly distributions at the 8% preferred return. And now at the end, the last email that we got about the sale, it should be, I believe, like a 23% IRR, which is not shabby at all. Yeah, you did well. Yeah. Very cool. So in your bio, it says the mission of your company is to increase the equity and net worth in communities of color. How do you do that? So I haven't had the opportunity to actually implement that part of my mission as of yet, because I'm still looking for opportunities large enough that we need to syndicate. So the two properties that I've taken down as a more ownership kind of control position, they've both been joint ventures. I am currently implementing a direct to seller strategy to contact owners in the neighborhoods and areas that I'm looking in. I'm partnered with some really great operators and people who have done syndications before. And within my mastermind and the community that I have, we can take down much larger deals. So as soon as that happens, I want to do a 506B syndication so that people who are unaccredited or maybe don't have the net worth requirements are still able to come in and invest We'll see what those minimums are, but another idea that I wanted to implement is potentially creating a fund in the future where people who don't even have the standard minimums that most syndications require would still be able to come in and invest. So those are all things that are a work in progress. Otherwise, the way I'm giving back is actually just helping family and friends and whoever needs to have a phone call with me, or I post a lot on social media just to educate and inspire people. And then as people schedule calls and I give advice, I kind of see what their goals are, where they're at now, what resources they have. And I go from there and try to give them as many resources that I have and share that with them and give people ideas of where to get more information or how to move forward and what kind of goals I can give advice on based on my experience. Nicole, what's been the hardest lesson you've learned so far? Oh, man. Trust but verify, <laughs> I guess. And that comes actually from my very first property, the three-family house hack. The seller had the guise of being extremely helpful, but was very, I don't know, he played around with his wording as to not lie, but not completely tell the truth. But he liked to say, trust me, trust me all the time. Trust me. Don't worry. Don't worry for anything. So that I learned after closing, there were a lot of things that weren't presented in the same way that he made it seem. So I would say trust, but verify and stick to your guns and just don't let people, especially if you have gotten the education and you have done some of the work up front, don't let other people either dictate your dreams or tell you what can or can't be done. Even if they're more experienced than you, 
that's why a community is important. So make sure you have a community, reach out to other people who you trust, verify the information that's being told to you or presented to you in, in particular ways, and just keep moving forward and don't let the small things impede you or stop you from progress. Good advice. Nicole, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, of course. All right, Nicole, what's the best ever book you recently read? Oh, right now, I'm actually reading Atomic Habits right now. And I would say it's really good. But the last one that I read and completed that really shifted my mindset a ton was The Gap in the Game. Please read that. That really helps. Nicole, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Right now, it's kind of like what I said is sharing information and helping people get out of their own way, mindset-wise, and getting out of their own funk so they can build wealth and live abundantly. Nicole, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? I'm very active on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn or Instagram, probably at any of them are great. Or you could visit my website, noirvestholdings.com. I have a page there with all my LinkedIn channels. You can contact me through a request form there. You can send me an email and I answer as quickly as possible. Nicole, thank you for your time today. You being inspired by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, finding your own first house hack through direct mail marketing, and you're on your way to your first syndication. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Ash, and have a great day. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Please also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.